If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. Hey guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Can you close the door? We are uh, coming at you this week with a special episode. It'll probably be a short episode. Doesn't have an intro. This is it. We're going to do it here. We got uh, someone from the UK posse. Uh, Anthony Hubbard has come across. It's called uh, Anthony Hubbard Comes to America. So he came here as Canada technically, but on North America. He got here almost a week ago. He's here for CAC because we're going to Utah or sorry, Invermere next week. You could still get in on that. I mean, if you can get a last minute flight to Calgary and be here Thursday by two, you can come to Invermere, hang out with us and Brandon Powell up on the mountain, have a time, eat some elk, see the elk head. The elk head will be at CAC. It's in the garage right now. We've all seen it already. Is that the one you killed just recently? Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. So Friday, Friday. We're going to talk about that. So, uh, yeah, if you want to get on that, check out contact at the cabin.com. We got friend of the show, Brandon Powell's in town for the event. He's sitting in on the podcast. I'm sure he'll have some shit to say, uh, before too long. And, uh, Graham's here. Graham's back in town. From back Saskatchewan. in town. Yeah. 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 Weather's hey, probably be. better here, right? Eh? Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's sunny here. And you see the mountains, it's just better. It's just foggy. And Did you notice Danielle Smith and her government just passed the uh, resolution to ban all mandates for health procedures in the future? Yeah, I read it and I didn't know if it was real or not. I, I know, was, it's like crazy. Yeah, it's actually worded quite clear that you better not, uh, it doesn't matter. It, they, they say it doesn't matter about the greater good. Basically, they say it doesn't Personal matter about choice, the greater good. Personal choice, period. It also you, says that no pronouns without written consent from parents in schools. Really? Yeah, unless you're 16 or older. Have you seen this stuff? Yeah. We're getting... This well, is our conservative <laughs> government. This is our local government in Alberta. who seems to be bucking Canada and the rest of the world in a lot of in a lot of ways. So, I mean, we're going to get in. We're not going to talk about the here. We'll talk about that on our show Roundup next week where we get into politics and Canadian stuff and COVID stuff. And all that kind of stuff. I mean, if you guys like our lazy rounds, you probably like our news roundups over on Outlawed. So, Grammaric Outlawed, yeah. Grammar. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think they figured that out. Yeah. So that's Gram Outlawed. Yeah. Speaking of Gram Outlawed, what the fuck's going on with your hair? I just got a cut, man. What do you, you mean? You look real Jewy when it gets I long. just like, got a <laughs> cut. What? <laughs> I just cut it. You should have seen it last week. So this is a little informal. We're all just sitting around my bedroom with microphones. The audio might not be up to par as you guys like it, but we're going to have a time. Of course, Anthony has come all the way. UK, we drug him out. We didn't. Graham's been home. He just got here, but drug him out elk hunting, duck hunting. Uh, he had to take me to the emergency room. <laughs> so it's been quite a few days. Uh, they got into town. Brandon got into town late last night, and we were able to see the Northern Lights on the way. How are the Northern Lights up in Sask? I don't know. I can't even see the sky up there. It's all it's cloudy and rainy all the time. No, it's 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 okay sometimes, but I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them at all. We've seen them last night. Saw them at yeah. Saw them out of the plane. Really? Yeah. Saw them out of the plane, and then Darren took us out, and uh, we got to see him here. Yeah, it was first time for me too. It's really cool. My girl, my girlfriend's always wanted to see them. She's never seen them. What? Yeah, it's crazy, eh? That is crazy. They got to be like banging in Saskatchewan, up where you guys are. Up, we're not really up. You're totally up. Yeah, a little yeah. Bit, yeah. We, I mean, we we only went north to Country Hills. So north we went. <laughs> so Anthony, how has it been? What gives us the breakdown of uh, just an introduction? 
and what you're doing here. So, yeah, I've made it to the promised land, this brave new world of Grimerica. <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. The last five days have just been crazy. It's, uh, yeah, jumped on a plane, traveled 20 hours with the sun. So the sun never went down for me. Arrived at Darren's house, three hours, four hours sleep. And he drags me on the wildest, wildest day ever, hunting hell. I'm not a hunter, so it's a big, big change for me. The landscape on the prairies, it was just so amazing. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life on that first day. Um, I don't know, maybe a lot of you understand what an elk hunt is. I don't think I truly did. Uh, a lot of walking over some tough, tough landscape. It's wild out there. No paths, no trails. You're carrying gear. Uh, Darren shoots two elks, probably the furthest elks on North America from his truck at 4 p.m. The light's dying. We have to butcher these things on a 45-degree slope, uh, put them on sleds, carry them out. We don't really know where we are. It's getting dark. It's all good fun. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> but we got there. We got there. And then do you know what? We did it all again the next day. <laughs> so anyone that's hunting knows what a death march is. I mean, as a proper death march, you can watch the most popular hunting shows and they'll talk about death marches. I mean, you watch me is probably the biggest hunting show in the world right now. And he, so you talk about the dude is like, you know, one of the most famous hunters on the planet talking about going exactly what you're, what it's just, all you could do is put one fucking foot in front of the other. Cause it sucks. But there's no getting out of it. There's just, it's you not like the work. You could mail in a day of work. You could half-ass a podcast. You could, you could even just half-ass a whole day. But you're out in the cold. It's dark. And if anything you do is just prolonging that exposure. So it's just, everything just sucks for longer until it's done. And it sucks. Well, when we did it with you the year before, it was similar. It was like a death march. But we were in the coulee, and the, he, 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 we were chasing him around for kilometers in this thing. And I'm like, where the fuck is Darren now? Like, and we we didn't have, we couldn't, we'd have no phone service. So we're just like, can see a little speck. Yeah, he's like a mountain it. goat. And we're like, oh, he's down there, right? And we're trying to follow him fast enough that and then we hear a bang you know oh no now he shot something down in the coulee so i'm already so exhausted i think i can't even i'm like i can't i can hardly get out on my own never mind about and the landscape is dragging you this way and that way you can't go in a straight line you're losing sight so we had to haul it up a coulee did we cut it down there i think we cut it down there and we had to haul it up the coulee and then find the truck after that yeah it sounds like that's pretty much Darren's experience with his guests going uh, going hunting. <laughs> Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's a test to see if you're going to stick around. That's just the, the nature of the beast. And it's just, there's not really a way around it. You no. know, it was a hell of an experience, you know, for somebody coming in with no hunting experience. It, it, I, I'm honored. I'm, I'm really privileged. I know people here wait a long, long time to go out and hunt to help. And yeah, it's just, uh, that's not lost on me, and really, thank you for inviting me over. It was it was a really good experience. Well, a couple of things I want to know is how was your experience like getting? Because we're don't forget this is on a, like a, a mil an, a military base, so it's it's like a culling hunt. There's a whole bunch of hunters all at once getting registered to go in there, and you're you might be one of the only foreigners that's been on this thing. I mean, at least one of the few. Um, so what was that like? And then also for Darren, what was the hunt itself like? Like were you finding that that first kill. Well, do you know, it was, it was, it was, again, that was part of the experience. You know, you're pulling up at 6am, you've traveled for three hours in the dark, you're arriving at this military base, 150 trucks all full of hunters lined up. You can feel the excitement, anticipation, it's just flowing through them. And the guys in the next truck, they heard my accent, asked me where I was from, welcomed me over, the really, really nice people, you know, just ask you, have a good time, enjoy it out there. So I've been made to feel extremely welcome. Um, but yeah, it's all alien to me. But there's this anticipation. We head out there, and my God, this the size of that base—it's just hard to fathom for somebody that lives in England. It just went on. It's like as big as England. Yeah, I, I think it was as big as England. And I think I walked it up and down many times. <laughs> yeah, it was just. I mean, the size of this place in general and the prairies. It was. It, yeah, it was just. I mean, like literally, I've just stepped off the plane at a couple of hours and I'm there. That's my introduction to Canada. And, and it was dark the whole drive there, too. So we couldn't <laughs> see nothing. We're just driving in the dark. And then it got, the sun comes up while we're on the thing. And then we drive onto the base. So that's and we've like got the first part of Canada he's seen 
was the bass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sun's coming up and I'm on the prairies and the coolies and it's like, wow, there's, yeah, there's no trees. There's not much here. It's, you know, it's completely alien landscape to me. So, but again, that's just, it's just been such a wild experience. Um, yeah, just, just fantastic. But do you know what? In my opinion, as someone who doesn't hunt, that base suffers elk damage. I mean, correct me if I go wrong here, Darren, but the farmers in that area, they, they suffer a lot of financial damage to elk. The, the military aren't going to do anything on that base. So they call people in to call. And you've got people out there that are having the time of their life. They've waited eight years to get on that hunt. They're keeping the numbers down. If they don't do that, it's going to get out of control. And you know what? That was the most respectable way to eat meat, what I witnessed, what we went through over the last couple of days. I, I, for me, it all makes sense. It, it makes complete sense. And I've never seen it before, never experienced it before. But yeah, I, I can't see how there's a better way to keep them out down and to consume your meat. Well, I think it's about the Norm Boward rancher I know out there is $150,000 this last year to elk. Whether they're eating this shit and then they're hiding out on the base. So we got to shoot the motherfuckers. I, I don't know. I just take it for granted that I expect to get elk when I go out. I mean, not just on the base. I just expect to get elk wherever I go. If I plan to hunt elk, I'm going to get an elk. Sometimes it'll take three weeks. Sometimes it'll take a month. On the base, it usually only takes a day or two because there's a lot of them in there and there's a lot of pressure on them pushing around. But it's still like you could see all these dudes that have waited eight years facing the uh, the realization that they're not just going to drive around in the truck, see an elk, hop out of the truck, shoot it, and fucking throw it in the back. You, you, you could drive up and down those roads for fucking weeks, and you probably aren't going to see any elk anywhere near shooting distance. So, I mean, every every elk I've shot there has, resulted, has been the result of five miles of walking, ten miles of walking. We walked, I think, uh, well, it was like, 38 kilometers over the three days so whatever in miles you know 27 miles or something in three days looking for elk and that's you know what i told the other people we were hunting with they went two days without shooting anything me and anthony shots and paul was with us too shout out to paul yeah hi paul yeah paul from jasper did a great work out there um <clears throat> i told those guys if you don't get out of your truck you're not going to get an elk sure enough you know the other crew we were with went two days without getting an elk and we shot three. We walked 30 miles for them because the elk have figured it out, man. He can't be near the roads and you got to earn that shit. You just, but if you walk, I'm still, there's a, like a set number of miles that each animal is going to cost you. And if you're willing to put those in, you're going to get it. And that's just how I think it works. You know, I got my elk down in Nat and in the book, my bush elk this year, the same way, just, we saw them, we started seeing the things and, once we decided we were getting and getting, we knew there was three bulls in there. Once we decided we were getting one, it was three weeks later, there was an elk on the thing. That was, you know, the result of Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, every weekend for three weeks. And eventually you're there at 930 at night when the thing comes running in and then you're butchering in the dark in the middle of bear country and uh, trying to get the fuck out of there. But at least at this point, I'm like the fastest butcher I know. So we can get the fuck out of there pretty quick. Like I'm I'm killing 10 animals a year between deer and antelope and elk and moose. And I've become pretty efficient, even at a 45 degree angle. Yeah, you did well. So I just expect <laughs> it now out there. I expect I would have been pretty. I like to get one the first day because otherwise it's a three day hunt. So if you don't get one the first day, you're really going into day two with the pressure mm -hmm. on it. It becomes a different situation pretty quick. So how did you how did you find this one that you killed? And you were you alone again as usual? Like you're I walked. leading the group. You just walked and walked and walked and walked. Well, we knew what like, we wanted to do. We knew what we wanted to do. Down at all, we had already just... decided that we were going to check coolies. So we went and checked one coolie, and we went and walked through it and found forty deer or fifty deer. There was an antelope chasing Anthony around, like it wanted to fuck him. <laughs> and uh, so we went to the one coolie, and then I was like, fuck it, we'll go to the... So we went uh, to the exact coolie where I shot the one with you last year on day two when I got ahead of you, and there was nothing there, so we walked over into the other one, and then there was uh, two there, so I took them both. 
But we did spot one earlier in the morning, that cow, didn't we? Yeah, but and we tracked else that. Shot it. Yeah, we, yeah we got it. We tracked it down. We stalked it, tracked it. Um, yeah, we're chasing after it. Darren's getting on the ground, lining up, ready to take his shot. And then he's like JFK, wasn't it? Shot from the grassy knoll and the thing was down. Somebody else got it. <laughs> yeah, it was quite the situation. It was fun. We did good. We were blessed again. I mean, we have, well, there's probably 400 pounds of meat at the butcher right now. So this is like, so you got three. You had three then. Well, this one is, yeah, we got three. Wow. So three, but one was, one's a calf. So it was last year's calf. I just shot it because it wasn't, it got weird when the mom went down and the calf wasn't going to leave. So I was just like, well, I feel like the only right move here is to shoot this thing. Wow. Um, Plus, there's, I mean, it was many hands to get those elk out of that coolie, so it's not all my meat. You know, one's for CAC. Well, we won't eat a whole one at CAC, not even close, but obviously Anthony can't take any home. We're going to try and smuggle some home with Brandon's luggage. Technically illegal, but I think we'll just freeze it up in a box, throw it in your stowaway, and just plead ignorance if you get caught. The Americans won't care, I don't think. So... um and then, you know, there's everyone who helped out on the hunt. Miles, me, Miles, Paul, <laughs> Nate, you know, we all got to take an equal share of it. So 400 pounds or four, probably get 400, 450 pounds off the three animals. And they do this every weekend for a while, like through November? Or how, how does it it's every work two logistically? Weeks. It's every, every two, two weeks, weeks for 12 weeks, yeah. For 12 weeks, wow. Huh. Did anybody else, mm -hmm. like, did you know of how successful the hunt was in general for everybody else or? You don't was, really get the sense. I think of it was that, twenty-seven the first day. Two of them were ours. That was by the time we left. So there was still maybe three or four groups out harvesting animals when we when we got out. And day two, we were out of there early with an elk. So we were thirty-one, I think, or thirty-two on day two. And there could have easily been a bunch of people out because we left. We just got. We were like, "Fuck it, let's get out of here." We like by the time it got dark, we were already at the gate because we had we we got that second one into the. The third, the bull. We got the bull into the back of the truck hole. We just skinned it, got it, cut its head off, and fucking dragged the whole thing to the truck. We did my rope trick where you just wrap the rope around something and drive the truck. Tony got to drive some, do some off roading, drive a real vehicle. Yeah. Dirt track still managed to forget to drive on the right and drove on the left. And <laughs> so, yeah, drove down his truck. I think that's a measure of success. <laughs> So yeah, and, and uh, when even even going to the butchers afterwards, it was an experience for me. Uh, the way that the, the game butchers take the animal out the back with a crane and everything—it's just yeah, it's the whole the whole experience. Not just the hunt, but the the landscape around the people who are going on the hunt. You know, these are tough people. It's hard out there. It's not easy. It's it's, it's hard. You know, going out that kind of hunter lifestyle—it's not easy. And this whole. Certainly on the prairies, everything seems to be set up. Yeah, tough, capable people doing tough, capable things. It's 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 been a real, really cool experience for me. Was it easier, harder than you thought it was going to be? Way harder. At first, the first day was way, way harder. It was funny because I don't think I don't think he even thought about pulling the elk out until we looked at it on the ground. It was like he thought, I don't know what he thought. Do you know, honestly. I, I knew this hunt wasn't going to be easy. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I knew there was a lot of walking. Um, yeah, I, I, I get that. But I was spent. At the time that Darren shot those two cows, the cow and the calf, I, 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 was, I was spent. I'd about run out of energy. And it's like, yeah, he's got one. Fuck, we've got to get it back. <laughs> Shit is at the bottom of a coolie. It's just like, and then the reality starts dawning of how far you were away, how hard it was to get there without, four or five hundred pounds of meat and you know the knives come out and the butchering starts and and the yeah and i'm thinking oh he's gonna it's gonna be dark it's gonna be dark we'll get it. and i have to start taking we quartered the how did we do we quartered one of, we quartered them we quartered them broken down took yeah. the ribs out took so we, everything we break i took we take it off the elk we take just about every last bit of that thing yeah you're lucky they were cow and a calf because if they're bulls you're taking the heads too which sure. is another fucking 80 pounds yeah and uh, you know we're bagging these things up i mean it, again just really fascinating to see darren butchering skinning butchering the animal uh on site and i'm trying to do everything i can to help 
Um, we're bagging the parts up and I'm, I'm, I'm walking these bags up the curly. My legs are just saying, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm completely exhausted um, and going up and down the hills, up and down the hills. We had to send Paul off for the sled. Uh, yeah, so he was, right. it was just me and you for a while. He went off. And there's always a risk of getting separated out there. Yeah. I mean, we, we, he, he was gone for a while. We called Nate and Miles in to give us a hand and uh, they, they, they took a while to get there. I mean, it was, I was so pleased to see the pair of them when they did turn up to, to share the weight of the sleds. It was heaven sent when they, when they came, when we saw the light over the hill. But yeah, it's wild out there. I mean, this isn't, I don't know, this isn't, this isn't a hobby as a pastime. It's, you know, serious out there. I can imagine you soon get into trouble if you're not prepped for it, if you haven't got the experience. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a real deal. We did get into trouble on the duck hunt. Well, before we get there, before we get there, since it's on a military base, what I don't understand is why why can't they use that for like some kind of practice for the soldiers and stuff to hunt shit down and like feed them and like because you know, the like, tagging so, because the tagging hunting system doesn't allow. But can't they like make no, an exception no, for the no, military? You know, you'd think no. Yeah, hunting practice, target practice, you know. No. No, they just can't. You can't. You just, there's no exceptions for shooting wildlife unless you're a wildlife enforcement officer. It just seems crazy that the military brings him in for this big program. Dude, the fucking PR for fucking people machine gunning down elk is fucking not good. Not machine gunning. Well, whatever I mean, gunning they're sniping, using is just not sniping. good. Sniping. I mean, sniping. wouldn't it be sniper it's practice? just not I fucking mean, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't, don't try to make sense. Make perfect sense. <laughs> I think you got to run around too much to get them. It's yeah. Probably just too much hard work, but, too um, much time for them. But imagine this has been going on for hundreds of years. Like people have to like figure out how to get your meat through the prairies to your hometown or home base or home camp or whatever it is. You know, it's crazy. It's life. I yeah. mean, you know, usually you would, I guess, just you know, the same shit we did, man. Fucking just carried. Those people were built way better than we were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you do that once or twice a week, man, you're going to be fucking a different tip, animal. Tip top shape, yeah. Than we are. I mean, you look at dudes like Cameron Haynes. That's why they work out so hard. Is so that dudes become like one of the biggest fitness people on the planet just so he can elk hunt better. Because he's sick of being fucking tired trying to drag out elk in the middle of nowhere. What we're doing, honestly, yeah. Yeah, solo hunting and bow hunting really demand that type of fitness. What you got to remember here is like that was a, as far as extractions go, the ones you guys are doing are relatively easy. It's just walking across the prairies with the meat and the fucking sleigh. It sucks. We're up and down hills, we're up and down coolies, and you got five miles to go. But, you know, I mean, this the last elk I shot in the bush was we were lucky because there was a way to get the road and we got the truck right up to the motherfucker. Otherwise, you're carrying that shit three miles through the bush, up and down. Like, you've been to Broken Hip where I hunt moose. You helped me carry a moose out of there. Now, imagine going through five clicks of that shit. And that's just like, there's no sleighs. There's no, it's on your fucking back. You either have a pack that can attach that shit to your back, or it's on your shoulder, and you're in bear country, and you're doing multiple trips. Multiple trips. And you're going back and forth, fucking hoping there's not a bear so when we do it, what we usually do is you just go like a hundred yards at a time. So you're not ever leaving your meat by itself for an hour. You just bring, grab a quarter, bring it a hundred yards, set it down, go grab another, bring, you know, over and over and over. So it's just relatively easy extractions. And you can see how those hard those are. The hardest one I've ever done was the first one I shot on the base. Cause it was, it was about six kilometers through. It varied from like six inches to 16 inches of snow. And it had been fucking warm for a couple of days. So the top had, the top had like melted and then refroze and turned to ice. So it's like sometimes you get two steps on top of the ice surface and sometimes you get four, but you never got five before it was crunch. <laughs> and then sometimes it'd be crunch, crunch, crunch. And we had snowshoes, but I don't know if you haven't used snowshoes before and you try using them, then it's just different fucking muscles are hurting. Just those snowshoes, and you're pushing 400-pound sleigh with the snowshoes on. So I tried the snowshoes for like 20 minutes, and I was like, nah, this is fucked. And at that time, I was still somewhat ignorant on gear so i was wearing my sorrels so walk around 10 15 kilometers in sorrels then shoot an elk and then push through 16 inches of snow y'all have horses and mules don't you yeah 
That was on the base. Yeah, that was on the base. But even the can horses. You bring, can you bring an animal on the base? You uh, no, I doubt. I doubt you can. But even in the in the mountains, it's tough getting horses and shit around. You know, it's like. Now you gotta feed the fucking thing. It just seems like I get it. When I shoot something, it'd be like, "Fuck, it'd be cool if there was a horse here." Especially if you're. But up hunting. until that point, it would be a pain in the ass, unless you could be riding that motherfucker, and then you just sound like an elk. Do you hunt, Brandon? I do hunt. Yeah, I hunt a good bit. Um, I I don't uh, elk hunt though. So we're um, predominantly whitetail hunters and uh, bear hunters. So, but even a bear, which is a big animal, um, is not like an elk. You know, I mean, you're dealing with a few hundred pounds. Bow hunting? All bow hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's just because um, the bow is a complete obsession for me. The um, I mean, I love shooting guns as well, um, and we're going to be shooting shotguns tomorrow. So there's yeah, uh, um, yeah, I have no issues with it. I just personally um, love the the bow and the whole lifestyle that comes along with bow hunting. It's a lot, you know, if you really want to dig into that whole thing and become really proficient. And it keeps you busy all year round um, with target archery and then going into hunting seasons. And for where I live, um, bow hunters get treated nicely. We get, um, you know, a good month, uh, really almost two months, like a month and a half before uh, rifle season come in, comes in. We get, we, we get um, uh, to go out and then, uh, after season is over with, there is a second archery season where I live um, called urban archery. And so we get uh, a whole almost extra month at the end of hunting season. So it's pretty good. Why do they call it urban archery? Because, you're, because it's, it's, it's basically uh, governed a bit different and it, there's specific rules like you have to hunt within certain proximities um that are you know um it's it's basically more for like private hunting versus public hunting so if you have the private land to hunt um then you're able to continue to hunt is that a similar setup to us too with the bow hunting in the beginning of the season right you get a little bit longer they get two months up front yeah yeah, september and october but we can't bear hunt here right where he's he can bear hunt bear hunt here can you yeah i was trying to shoot a bear this year with my bow but had cubs with it what was the big controversy about bear hunting then grizzly bears you can't hunt grizzly bears oh you you gotta tell the difference you gotta be able to tell the difference pretty easy it's pretty easy to tell the difference between a grizzly bear and a black bear yeah or even a grizzly bear and a brown bear, yeah. right? I mean, grizzlies are angry. And <laughs> they're born angry. And they're, they're yeah. Um, but what we have is black bear. Um, but we actually, in North Carolina, um, have some of the largest populations of black bear in the world. Yeah. So, and they, they're, um, b- believe it or not, they're very coastal. So they're right down near the coast where the forest sort of comes right into the coast. Yeah. Bear hunting, they get a lot of fat off those fuckers right now. Yeah, they might yeah. all be hibernated right now. Get a lot of fat, bear grease, and um, which is really amazing fat, and and the meat is good on, um, you know, it, depending on their diet, the meat is really can be really delicious. So. Awesome. Okay, let's hear about your uh, your hospital visit and what happened there. That must have been from the duck hunt, was it? Yeah, we were duck hunting. I left Tony out in the well. It's your fault. No, I thought it would be. Well, you you were supposed to get the shit, and you couldn't find the truck. No, I couldn't find the truck. Okay, so so duck hunting seems much easier, but it's still really hard. <laughs> so, well, we, we we did a night. We did the first night, didn't we? Uh, the day before, and. Again, part not far from the truck, it was all really, really lovely and nice and wasn't too demanding. Then the next day, it was just me and Darren went out. 
And it was a long walk. So we, we stashed the sled and got set up and I was walking back. My, my job was to walk to the sled and then onto the truck to pick up a hide, a duck hide and come back. And I just couldn't find the truck. I think I overshot it. Um, so yeah, I came back and we needed the hide. So Darren went off to, to fetch the hide from the truck and he'd been gone a long while. And then he came back over the horizon and said, he said, I think we need to go to the hospital. And he, showed me his, his hand which was completely fucked up i said yeah i think we do <laughs> so yeah that was out of there loads of walking again you could you, you tell them so we walked out went to the hospital and uh well i slipped on the rocks i was i was chasing some ducks i went back to the truck and there's some ducks over around the corner so i tried to scoot around to get them and I slipped on the rocks and I was holding my shotgun in one hand. I didn't want that to get wrecked. It's a nice shotgun. And uh, so I went down into like the river rocks, you know, all the round ones. And I just went to put my hand down and it just turned out so that all my other fingers found a groove instead. Of, if they all would have hit the rock, I would have been okay. But instead, they all missed the rock except for that right it was hand. all it tended to, wasn't it? it just sticking yeah, out. That right hand ring finger caught the rock. So it bent it over backwards all the way. Ninety degree, almost ninety. It was probably like seventy-five oh, degrees oh, backwards and off to the side. So it looked fucked. I was like, oh. <laughs> you know that that like shots that that like shocks it kicks in for a second because you're like looking. It's like that is not fucking right. And uh, so I was like, okay. Plus you got a soaker at the same time. No, I'm in my I was in my uh, waders, so that was fine. So I'm like. Uh, I put some snow on it. Right away, I put it in the water because the water has ice on it. Just, so I put it in the water. And I'm like, huh, it doesn't look broken. It looks fucking like it just popped up. I could probably just pop it back in. So I went to give it a little pull to see if I could pop back in. And I just about f- fucking blacked out because <laughs> it was, it hurt like fucking bad, dude. Like worse than, fu- <laughs> worse than some shit I ever felt, maybe. Like it was, oof, I would not want that to happen. So uh, I was like, all right. And I was like, fucking Tony's three miles away, like five, five kilometers. Like, I can't honk. He doesn't have his fucking phone. I can't honk and I can't do anything. So I'm like, well, I need to eat some candy, get my fucking blood sugar up here, get my candy up, take off my waders, put on my boots and fucking just got to walk in. I'll pack my hand in snow. I'll text, text the missus a picture. So she can freak the fuck out for a while <laughs> and uh, post it on social media. <laughs> and then uh, luckily there's still a bit of snow on the ground. So I just packed it in snow and walked the 5k in to, to get answered. And then walked the 5k out straight away. Walked the 5k out straight away. And uh, luckily Anthony carried most of the shit out. I just carried the shotguns. And uh, drove to the hospital. Uh, they got him pretty quick. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, so he was, got that the emergency good. room experience. He said it was pretty much identical to England. Yeah, Canadian healthcare. I got to experience it pretty much the same. Well, so Darren didn't have the regular like 7 to 11 hour wait that's going on these days? No, I think we were. Is it there two and a half hours in total, maybe? Something like that. Two yeah, hours. we got there around one, and we were out of there by, by three thirty. <laughs> yeah, he fell asleep. I waited. I think I got in about forty-five minutes to get into the back, and then I had to get X-rays before they do anything, and then they froze it. One grabbed my arm, the other grabbed my finger, and fucking yanked the shit out of it and put it back in place. And then I had to get X-rays again. That was it. Then we went to A&W and went back out hunting. Went out for last light. <laughs> Three more fucking miles there. Three more fucking miles back. <laughs> did you get any ducks? No. <laughs> well, no, we did earlier, but not when we went back. <laughs> yeah, we did earlier in the day. Yeah, I not, shot my first duck. No, Yeah, he shot a duck earlier in the day. Yeah, what was it like duck hunting then? Yes, it's just, it's, it's it's completely different to elk, and it is fun. You were sat there, we're chatting, we're looking, checking the skies. You got that excitement, anticipation when you start spotting them and trying to call them back and turning them. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a re- that's fun. It, it's fun. Um, yeah, I've got to improve my shot. 
Uh, you got one, though. I got one. It stands me at, what, $17, for a migratory bird license. So I'm looking to reduce that per bird tomorrow. <laughs> see, see how low I can get that. So, I mean, we had to go back out to get the, did we left the decoys and everything? Because I couldn't carry shit because my finger was totally fucking backwards, dude. And it was like, so you can't even like get my hand out of the way. It's a full-time, my hand was a full-time problem because this hand had to hold the snow on it. And Tony can only carry so much shit. So we had to go back and get the shit anyway. So we're there in the swamp and it's almost last light. Not in the swamp, we're in the river. Might as well hunt. I mean, it's going to hurt at home. It's going to hurt in, on the river. What's the fucking difference? I guess the difference is the 12 gauge kicks a bit of a motherfucker. Because <laughs> we did get some shots off. I mean, we were, we were minutes away. If we would have just held it out for a couple more minutes. We would have shot two big old fucking Canadian geese, but we shut it down like two minutes too early. Wow. So. And what about you for duck hunting, Brandon? This will be first duck hunting for me. Wow. Yeah. So um, I've shot uh, quail and um, uh, that's really it. Yeah. For birds. No, I haven't hunted many birds. So this will be this will be a good experience. Oh yeah, dude. So uh, and you're hunting with an Indian too. So it's like there's just guns in the truck, and for the next like week, if it fucking flies, it dies. I love it. Even I might try and shoot some turkeys on the way to BC. We'll see some big rams on the way to BC too, but that'll be in the national park. So I don't know. I like I don't give a fuck what they say, but I'd rather not. You know, when I got international visitors, I'm trying to be on my best behavior. <laughs> Because as far as I'm concerned, they, they have no jurisdiction over my Indian ass. Period. Indian outlaw, baby. That's right. Yeah. Well, how does the how does the range work? Like, how are you bringing international visitors to to shoot at the range? But at the gun club, it's a gun club, man. That's what it's for. You don't need license and all. Nah, it's a gun club. You need a license to own guns oh. and to buy guns. You don't need a license to shoot guns. You could just go to the gun club by yourself, even without me. And they'll let you shoot guns. They'll put a guy. It'll cost you a little more than it would cost me because they have to put a one of the because they'll have people at the range all day that are there strictly to go with people like you and teach you how to use a gun. And if you don't have your gun license, they have to be there with you and then supervise you while you're shooting. But they got like 30 different types of handguns that you could go rent there and try shooting all day. They got a Desert Eagle, 50 cal. I mean, we can rent some guns if we want. I'm gonna bring my. I'm gonna bring my handgun arsenal. Can you can you can you train us without having a guy there then? Because you've yeah, when I'm there, so I've I, I mean yeah, when I'm there, you guys are under my supervision. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Okay, cool. So we're just gonna go to the range tomorrow, and we'll mostly blast off the fucking the 22 and the Glock because the 357 gets expensive, man. It's like a buck a shot. Have you have you shot a handgun before, Tony? No, I've I've never even seen a handgun until the other day when I arrived, and uh, yeah, so uh, that that was an experience in itself. I mean, I've been told that it is really. (laughs) I see another one. (laughs) I've been told it's you know it's really incredibly hard to hit the target. So yeah, again, I'm just just looking forward to that experience. I shot one. We start at five yards, and you will be ah well, well, you'll be lucky to hit that. You'll hit the paper, but. You probably won't get inside any of the rings your first try at five yards. It's always difficult. I thought it was, I, I shot in 1990 in Israel and uh, Northern Israel in the Canadian club. I think they had like a skating rink and a little shooting range there. I think I did pretty good. I doubt it. Darren Dilton. <laughs> yeah. I shoot a lot of <laughs> I shoot, I shoot a good bit. Uh, and it really, I do believe it comes down to a process. Like people will tell you, Oh, it's about grip. Oh, it's about aiming. Oh, it's this, it's that it's the type of gun. I just believe it's a process. And like, if you really understand shooting process, then you can apply it to anything across the board, which is really cool, you know, in that, in that regard. So you, you experience with shooting handguns. Yeah, I do shoot a lot of handguns. Yeah. 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 So I should get some good tuition tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still suck, but I, I shoot a lot. I mean, um, dude, that Magnum, that Ruger I got, that revolver, uh, it fucking is a tack driver. So that's the only one of my handguns that like I can hit, hit the toonie. 
I'll not hit it to any, but I'll hit like a three inch circle at 25 yards with that thing. Mm. Cause it's got the like, once you cock the fucking hammer back, it's just the trigger's just like, you have a fun if you time drop shooting, that thing, you would shooting shoot with that hand. Well, I'm going to be mostly supervising, yeah. obviously, but I'm going to do some shooting. I'll be fine. Yeah. Man, I'm not going to be babying this shit. No, I mean, no, it's just going to be sticking out sideways. This man will find a way. He will find oh, a way. He always does. We, Darren and I have had many adventures in the, in the, in our short friendship, which has, it's been an intense, uh, love affair. Uh, he even has my picture on the wall, <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, we, yeah, every time, every adventure, it's always like, how far can we go? <laughs> what, what's going to happen? I should have better insurance. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that aiming process where that, was that the one you're telling me about, about the bow? Same yes. thing. Like it applies to guns as well. Everything. Well, that's where the, the process started from. The guy was a, uh, shot. I mean, a SWAT agent and, you know, was under intense stress and realized that if you succumb to the stress, then you're going to you're going to basically succumb to all these autonomic processes that occur. And if you know the type of training that I'm very into coaching, it's all about how do we suppress autonomic function or really how do we um have a better conversation with it, meaning how do we influence it? How do we influence our autonomic process? Like how do we overcome the stress of the cold water? You know, it's very much the same as taking control of your shot process. It's not allowing your um, instinctual desire to create um, basically um, <clears throat> like, you know, you, you more or less, want to resist things that you're pu pushing yourself into. So if you decide to go into stress, um, which is, you know, it's kind of like uh, the dead man's March. It's the same thing. You're going into stress. You know, how do you, how do you let it dictate your thinking and do you panic or do you, um, do you take control of the moment and and that really comes down to mindset. I mean, it's like it's all mindset. It's what are you telling yourself? Because it can get, it can you know, anything can get dark and scary and intense in those moments. But how do you translate that to something so specific as like like shooting, shooting, triggering? It's literally the story you're telling yourself. So if you've already programmed yourself with a story that you're going to say to yourself, the, the neuro-linguistic programming, you're going to tell yourself the same thing over and over again, every time. And depending on the intensity of the situation, you're going to tell yourself even louder. So if, it, if, if it is like, you know, the elk is in front of you, you need to tell yourself exactly how you're going to handle it as you're, as you're doing it. But if you've already done that, 10,000 times in practice, um, then it becomes really easy or, you know, much easier. Right. Um, and that's the same. I think that's just training in general. That's why, um, you know, as you become adapted to stress, uh, you, you know, you, it's much easier. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, letting that autonomic work with you and for you instead of against you. Yeah. Well, I guess when you're stressed, that's when you make your worst decisions, isn't it? Generally, if you're under pressure, you're stressed. If you can get that under control, you're just going to make better choices all around. Yeah. So, what else you want to chat about, Darren? I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> I mean, I, we'll probably have to do another one because we haven't even gone to the mountains yet. We're going to go do some proper duck hunting. Hopefully, no one will break a finger. We we missed most of the day hunting because I fucking fucked my shit up. I mean, it was really a bonehead move and I'll be paying the price for it for a couple of months. Hopefully a couple of weeks. I mean, I don't know. At least it's it seems like when already. you took the, when you sent the picture uh, with it back in place, it seems like they put it in the right spot at least. Yeah. I think there's only one spot it's supposed to go. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it looks like it'll heal okay. I mean, it wasn't like a big swollen mess at that point. Yeah. Well, it's a big swollen mess now, and yeah. it's starting to get bruised in some weird places. And he said I have to go see the finger specialist, which has me a little worried, but uh, I'll be fine. I mean, you know, I'm not a pussy. I mean, I'm eat, I eat pretty good. 
you know, and I have a pretty healthy lifestyle. I think something like this would be a lot more serious if you're uh, getting wasted every weekend and eating fast food. That's the kind of thing that never gets better. But my ankle got better with no medical intervention. And uh, my finger had medical intervention. So I think this would be fine. Right on, yeah. Well, yeah, the cold was great. This thing was packed in fucking snow for like three hours straight. While we were, and then we got to the and, the and the nurses got all pissy, took my snow away, and gave me their shitty ice pack. And I was like, <laughs> "This is sucks. It is not the same." But I was the running joke of the hospital because everyone's getting a kick out of my finger. Like, Holy fuck! Everyone's getting a kick out of how broken my finger was. So <laughs> anyway, it was fun. So, uh, anything you want to say before we kick you out of Grand America? You don't kick me out just yet, are you? <laughs> well, for this time we will, but we we might. We'll probably do this again when you're back and settled in uh, Europe. So we get a full round because you haven't been to the mountains yet. We're gonna do a couple more days of duck hunting and uh, get into it. Now you'll be you're rooming with Brandon Powell for a couple of nights, so that could get weird. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to learn how to deal with the stress. <laughs> Make some good choices and decisions. <laughs> That's all I got. Anyone got anything else? Well, big thanks to Anthony for coming on the show. Big thanks to Brandon. Big thanks to Graham. Big thanks to you guys. Listen, head over to America.ca slash support. Uh, make a donation. Sign up for a monthly. Whatever you can do, it helps. Check out adultbrain.ca for our audiobook podcast and our audiobooks for sale. Check out uh, America Outlawed to hear us go off the rails on everything. And uh, get on the trip. Like I say, you could still be here hanging out with all of us, eating that elk, looking at the elk head. Maybe even we'll shoot some ducks and bring them. And you could meet us on Thursday and come hang out in Invermere. Check out the other trips too. Other than that, that's it. We're going to get out of here and go have some dinner. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. You fussing, you fighting when you come around. Won't be enough. Come on and get me. I'm homesick. And I'm bored. Just one more
mean both sunsets Just one more Just, just, just more Please.